This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority, the designated investment business, and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed. Hi, I'm Nick Searle, a member of the Zeus Equity Sales Team and host of A Different Perspective. Here we interview interesting characters from the world of business and finance and uncover a different perspective. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or contact me at live at zeuscapital.co.uk. We are recording this on Tuesday the 24th of May. 2022 with Adam Bond, CEO of AFC Energy. Adam has been uh, CEO of Alternative Energy Business AFC for eight years. AFC is at the leading edge of hydrogen fuel cells, having signed several deals with large industry players. All topical subjects with our current energy crisis and green agendas. AFC is listed on the UK AIM market under the ticker AFC.L. Adam, welcome. Thanks, Nick. If I may, can we start with a bit of your background and what brought you to, to AFC? Sure. Well, I've, uh, I've been working in the energy industry now for <clears throat> just under 25 years, I guess. Um, Australian by background and uh, uh, unlike a lot of uh, people in, in, in my types of roles in, in tech companies, I, I don't have a, a technical background. I'm, I'm very much uh, focusing on the commercial side of, of business. I started uh, my career off at Arthur Anderson back, back in the day. and. Yeah. Uh, doing a lot of structuring of, of energy transactions and uh, big big background in, in sort of energy and, and infrastructure. And um, <clears throat> a few years back now, I, I guess we were uh, my, my previous employer. We were looking at a at a hydrogen technology to uh, to take sort of low grade hydrogen from gasified coal. And uh, the technology that we came across was was ASC Energy. And, and obviously that was quite a few years ago now. But um, over the over the years of getting to know AFC a bit more, and, and I was on the board originally as a non-executive director, uh, we, we decided that there was a, a real commercial opportunity in mm-hmm. AFC which um, hadn't really been tapped yet. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, things always seem to take a little longer than you, you hope, uh, but uh, you know, I, was, I, was, I was very happy to, to join AFC as chief exec in, in uh, the beginning of 2015, and, uh, and now starting to see that product into the market. So it's, uh, it's, been, an interesting, it's been an interesting few years. And now, I guess, very timely as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the, the whole the whole uh, macro or geopolitical circumstance that, that we see around us with regards to energy is certainly creating a lot of a uh, lot of new opportunities for us, uh, both as a as an industry in the hydrogen industry, uh, but also as a as a company. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Absolutely. Can you give a brief history of the the technology and why it differs from from others and, and barriers to entry, etc.? Sure. The, I mean, the, the actual original technology that AFC was developing was sort of a, 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 a generation on from uh, what was used in, in the space program as, as an alkaline fuel cell. And, uh, and, and over the last few years, the, or, or <coughs> since, since AFC was formed, a, a sort of over a decade ago now, the, the, the whole mantra of AFC was that we can accept a lower grade hydrogen than, than most fuel cells and that that lower grade hydrogen comes at a lower cost. And therefore, your cost of energy is going to be lower once you add in our capital and, and the lower cost of hydrogen. So that was always the, the mantra. Uh, and, and to an extent, that still holds true today. Um, what we have done is, is we've evolved that thinking a little bit further. Um, originally, we were looking at putting 
fuel cells at, uh, at petrochemical sites where there's hydrogen byproduct, and, and, and you can basically take that hydrogen, turn it into electricity, and, and create power for the for the petrochemical site. But uh, what we what we found is that a lot of those petrochemical sites uh, benefit from really low cost of energy, um, often subsidised by by governments, and so very difficult to compete in that market when when we're at the top of our cost curve and, and the energy prices are quite low. So, so we've what we've done is we've tried to pivot a little bit away from that. Uh, not that it's not possible to still go there, but but we're pivoting away into the displacement of diesel generators. And uh, the, the diesel generator market is 20, 25 billion US dollars a year. Um, the good thing about diesel, if, if I can you know, be, 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 uh, be, say that, is quite simply, it ticks a lot of the boxes for, um, for, for a perfect fuel to use in off-grid off locations. It's readily available. It's energy dense. It's liquid form, so um, it, you, you, it's 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 easily easily moved around, and people understand it, and people regulate it. So it's an understood commodity, if you like. Hydrogen actually doesn't exhibit many of those characteristics in its current form, and so moving towards a, a hydrogen carrier fuel, like a methanol or a, or green methanol or green ammonia, uh, or hydrogen itself, if if that's available, gives you the ability to create a flexible fueling strategy, mm-hmm. and um, and what we're trying to do is and what we are doing is basically going to market with a fuel flex fuel cell that can accept all three fuels gives the customer the choice of which fuel they want to choose and uh, and and therefore create the lowest cost alternative to the end user in an off-grid power situation so for us that's really how we're trying to position ourselves how we're marketing ourselves and 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 that's the product we're taking to market that sounds phenomenally interesting um and you've also signed a, a number of sort of large deals with with multinational businesses and obviously maybe the listeners would have would have seen the sort of extreme e um you know branding and and the use there do you want to have a sort of talk through that sure i mean extreme e was <coughs> one of our first commercial um deployments we, we we've received revenue for for that uh, for that system extreme e is a is an off-grid uh effectively off-grid suv motor racing event uh but the, the angle that it focuses on is climate awareness and climate change. And, uh, and so the, the races actually occur in some of the remotest locations on the planet uh, and uh, places like, like the Saudi desert and, and up in Greenland on, on glaciers and places where you don't tend to find uh, motor racing. Um, and, and the whole idea is to raise the awareness of the effect that the climate, the, 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 you know, climate change is having on the environment around us. And, um, and we were asked by Extreme E to come in and provide power to charge those electric vehicles in those remote locations where there is no grid. The only alternative is really diesel. And, uh, and so we, we started that journey with them um, probably mid-2020. Uh, uh, 2021 was season one. We've now, um, we're in the middle of season two now. Uh, and the, 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 I guess the momentum that that has created for us is it's, it's putting our technology in, in a limelight, if you like, with uh, off the off-grid power market. People are now ringing us because they saw us on TV. Um, you know, we, we have several tens of millions of people watching Extreme E every race, and so <clears throat> that has created a, a bit of a, a branding uh, around some of the some of the, the, the markets in which we're trying to address. But as you as you said, we you know we've signed several deals. We've we've signed uh, um, deals with a- ABB, mm-hmm. uh, and f- f- for, the, for your listeners, you know, ABB is one of the largest providers of, uh, of, of EV charging solutions worldwide. They operate about 80 countries. And, uh, and what they're starting to find is that the grid is becoming constrained and, in fact, absent in a lot of locations where they, 
uh, need to install EV chargers. And as we start to progress towards you know, no new diesel engines or, or unleaded petrol engines by 2030 here in the UK, um, that grid is becoming increasingly constrained. And if you multiply that by a worldwide deployment of EVs, you can see the opportunity is actually quite significant. And so we're working with uh, ABB to create EV charging solutions where the grid does not exist or is absent used through use of our fuel cells. And, and, and now, <clears throat> in addition to that, we're also now starting in, in construction. Uh, we have uh, signed up some contracts with some large construction companies. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Acciona in, out of Spain, who are an international construction group. Uh, we'll be deploying fuel cells at uh, sites in Spain later this year, or actually next month, to be, to be fair. Um, and, uh, and, and we're working with companies like Mace here in the UK and Kelpray, and, and, and there are others uh, who, who we've not published, uh, publicized yet. So <clears throat> construction industry, electric vehicle charging, and then you can take it all the way through to maritime, which once you start getting into the decarbonisation of the maritime sector, you, you're, you're in a completely different ballgame in terms of size and scope. Uh, so we're, we're looking to play across a number of different industries uh, as we, as we commercialise the tech. And then if you take construction, um, is it a fact that the fuel cell will use all, will provide all energy within, within the site? Is that the idea or, or how do you see it playing out? Yeah, so um, constructors are increasingly coming under pressure to reduce their carbon footprint, um, whether that's by governments, um, whether that's through their own ESG um, standards that they're setting at a corporate level, often driven by shareholders. Uh, and so for us, the intention is to start a, a, a transition, if you like. Um, we're not naive enough, I think, to think that, you know, people will transition from a diesel generator that they've been using for you know, 50 years um, to, a, to a fuel cell tomorrow. Um, that transition will take place over time, over years, um, but the, the, the transition starts today. And so we are moving our, our fuel cells into the construction industry with the intention that uh, we will start to displace diesel engines um, from, from this year and we will slowly transition that construction site to a completely off-grid zero emission site. That's, the, that's the, the aim. Whether they choose to use hydrogen or green methanol or green ammonia, that's the flexibility that we're giving the customers. Yeah. And um, in a lot of cases, that, that decision will be made, um, whether it's by geographical circumstances where hydrogen is cheaper in one location, methanol in another, ammonia in a third, uh, or, or just availability of the fuel given the particular location. And I guess regulation is, is moving your way. I mean, am I right in thinking that there's a, a change in sort of use of red diesel? Yeah, so for many, many years, the UK, uh, in, in this case, this specifically the UK, uh, offered a subsidy to red diesel users. And red diesel, <coughs> for those who don't know, is, is basically a, a dye placed in diesel that uh, makes it red, obviously, but uh, it's used in, in off-grid construction and, uh, and, and plant, effectively, that you see on the side of motorways when, you, when you're driving. Um, and the idea is that, those, those, uh, that diesel was offered a subsidy compared to what we pay at the, at the pump. Um, that subsidy was removed um, earlier this year in, in April. And so what was historically a very low price of diesel has now become the same price that you and I pay uh, to fill up our cars. And that has had a, a significant economic effect on the cost of, of diesel uh, and therefore the cost of off-grid power. And when you look at some of the construction sites and some of the, the festivals around the UK, you know, some, some festivals we see you know, one. I think there was one I came across the other day. 1.5 million gallons of diesel were used at this construction at this uh, festival. Um, you know, that in, in central London, that, that that's not sustainable. So we have to start that transition away from diesel, and and that's where we we start to uh, see an opportunity for our fuel cell. And as the fuel costs 
of diesel go up. And obviously that's also impacted by the geopolitical circumstances we see around us and the cost of energy. Um, we become more uh, cost competitive. And then how do you see the market developing in, in this medium to long term? I mean, who do you envision, apart from the sectors you mentioned, uh, would be AFC or fuel cell customers? So in the, in the case of you know, electric vehicle charging, obviously we're working with companies like ABB who, who would be a um, who'd be a customer of our fuel cell, uh, packaging it up for their customers. So, so the idea is that we would access their global network through, through the relationship with ABB. Um, we're not exclusive to ABB, but obviously they, they, are, they are a strong partner with us. Um, with regards to construction, um, you know, what we want to try and do is mirror to the greatest extent possible the existing construction market, uh, which is driven by plant hire businesses. And so the more the plant hire businesses start to receive signals from, from the construction groups uh, to, to decarbonise and move away from conventional uh, generators, then uh, we will start to see hopefully more uh, deployments or sales of our fuel cells to the to the end to, to the to the plant hire businesses, and then they will go and deliver to the to the to the industry. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at data centres, so obviously data centre owners who've got a very significant challenge with regards to backup power and how they they provide backup power. So data centre owners would be would be a customer in that in that case, and through to maritime where the ship shipyards building ships, um, you know, we're speaking to. I don't know, pro probably 10 shipyards at the moment who have approached us on uh, on how we can integrate fuel cells with ammonia. Uh, and, and obviously if, if their end customer is desiring a decarbonised solution, then the shipyard has to deliver that and, and, and we offer something in that, in that regard. So the, the customers are varied. Um, each has a slightly different business model. But importantly, whilst the business model is slightly different, the technology, the fundamental technology doesn't change. So we, we, we're not sort of developing different products for different industries and then effectively create a, a whole portfolio of challenges for us. Uh, it's, it's the one base technology across all the industries. But I guess you, I guess you are right at the forefront of, uh, or well positioned, shall I say, for, for, for the move towards decarbonisation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think hydrogen is... As, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an energy carrier is uh, gaining uh, global momentum and we're starting to see significant, particularly in Europe, as in, in response to the, the, the Russian-Ukraine conflict at the moment, uh, we're certainly starting to see a, a large move towards hydrogen in, in Europe. Um, so we, we think this is going to be a... Um, there are still a lot of hard industries to decarbonise. Mm -hmm. Um, and and you need to have carrier fuels for for that, and so the more we can tap into that and and provide a unique offering, and that unique offering being, you know, integrating a fuel cell technology with an upstream fueling strategy, such as the the cracking of methanol or, or the cracking of ammonia, um, to create hydrogen, then we we offer something very unique, and that's that's really what is driving a lot of our inquiries at, at the moment. Um, I would say that. The expectation is that over the next few decades, hydrogen will provide about 20% of the world's energy. Um, that possibly is being fast-tracked at the moment. Um, we're seeing the EU spending an unprecedented hundreds of billions on hydrogen deployment. Not, not R&D, this is actual deployment now um, to, to enable the decoupling, if you like, of, uh, of imported gas yep. from <clears throat> energy security in Europe. And you know, we, we are very much part of that discussion. We are part of that opportunity. And uh, I think we have a number of unique selling points that we, uh, that we can sell into that, into that opportunity. 
as a sort of energy technology business, you must be working on a number of, sort of blue sky applications. Yeah, so what, 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 what excites you that you're working on in the background? I mean, it's a, it's a tough one to answer in a sense because I, I don't want to give too much away too early. But <clears throat> when you look at this, the scale of the, the European energy independence debate at the moment, um, there is an unprecedented amount of ammonia that's about to be imported into, um, into Europe from places like the Middle East, places like Australia. We've seen uh, a couple of weeks ago a, a deal penned between uh, Germany and, and Australia, 50 billion um, I think euros was, was the value of that transaction. And the idea is that that transaction creating green ammonia in Australia, exporting it into Europe through Germany, <coughs> could displace about a third of Russian gas imports into Germany. If ammonia is the, cho the choice of fuel to carry the hydrogen around the world in, in a boat, you, you've, you've got this tremendous opportunity around how you then use that ammonia and how you, whether you crack it, whether you put it directly into, or you burn it directly. And uh, you know, we, we, because of our unique selling points around our fuel cell, including the adoption of ammonia as a fuel, which a lot of fuel cells can't do, um, we have this unique opportunity to start to position ourselves into that ammonia market and how we can leverage some of our technologies into maybe slightly different applications. Uh, so, so I probably can't say too much more than that at the moment, but it's, it's uh, some very interesting opportunities emerging for us at the moment. No, that's perfect. That gives listeners certainly whets their appetite of, of what may lie in the future for AFC. Um, as my regular listeners will know, I like to close on, a, on a, some final questions that I tend to ask all my guests. Um, Adam, your greatest inspiration or, or mentor? Well, I've, I've probably had a lot over the, over the years that I can, <coughs> I can refer to. Certainly some of the, um, the early managers I had when I left university, I, I, you know, I think they've certainly shaped a lot of my career. Um, uh, certainly when you look at uh, you know, how, how I've got to where I am, certainly my parents have been a significant influence on me uh, and, and creating opportunities for me that I, I wouldn't have otherwise had. And uh, so I have to accept a, a, you know, or acknowledge their, their contribution. Um, but uh, you know, there's, there's probably no one person I sit back and, and, and idolise or, or, or hold in high esteem. But, but certainly my, the, the, the work ethic, the, the innovation, the entrepreneurialness, I think stems a lot from um, the, the earlier managers that I worked for at, uh, at Arthur Anderson. And, and I had a lot of respect for them and, and, and have uh, sort of continued to see elements of, of them in, in the way I, I work today. No, I certainly, I certainly appreciate that. I mean, I think everyone... I would like to think gain something from the, the people that they work closely with and spend a lot of the day with, for sure. And then a book that has inspired you? A book that has inspired me? It's, it's, it's a difficult question for someone that doesn't read a lot. Um, I, I, uh, having spent a lot of my, my, my university days reading very long law journals and, and cases, I, um, I, I probably don't read as much as I should. Um, my, 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 my bookshelf is full of... Uh, Non-fiction, effectively. So, so I, I, I probably don't have a, a favourite book in that in that sense. Uh, sorry, that's probably a slightly boring answer for you. But uh, certainly, some of the books that I've been reading of late, um, you know, uh, the stories of uh, Abraj. I don't know if you know Abraj, private equity group in, yep. in, in Dubai yep. that uh, went under. The story of, of how that uh, evolved and and just interesting stories around how business and geopolitical situations emerge. Uh, read a lot about uh, the Russian uh, background and. Um, and, and the Middle East. So yeah, so probably a little bit on the. So I guess I guess sort of in in line with AFC, the geopolitics plays a, a big role in your in your reading list as well. 
Absolutely. I, I actually quite enjoy that sort of um, the debate that sits around that. And uh, I, I wouldn't say I enjoy watching what's going on at the moment around the world, but it's, it's certainly interesting to see how, how it plays out and, and, and what causes it and, and, uh, and, and the genesis of some of the, the challenges and, that we, we see in today's society and, and how that um, you know, has evolved over potentially many decades and hundreds of years. So, yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit of a, a non-fiction nerd in, in that sense. And uh, history has a lot to answer for, right? I think, I think that's probably fair. <laughs> um, and then what piece of advice would you give to a young person starting out on their career if they wanted to follow in, in your footsteps? Um, I, well, a bit of advice. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's the obvious ones where you start to think about, you know, you know always, always work, work hard and, 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 and do your best, and, and that's, a, that's an obvious statement. But I think the thing that has held um, true for me is from a very early um, stage of my career... It was always sort of trying to step back a little bit from the work you do and look at the direction of travel industries are moving in. Try and position yourself for what that next opportunity looks like. Uh, I, I would say, you know, 10 years ago, I, I, I probably wasn't that interested in hydrogen, um, not, not because of any particular reason. It's just that it was probably too far away. Um, but once you start moving into um, seeing how the energy mix is, is, is progressing, um, certainly the reason I moved from Australia to the UK was to get more involved in clean energy. Uh, I found myself running the carbon capture and storage program for the UK, getting involved in nuclear, all things that Australia didn't do but were going to clearly need to start looking at. So I, I would say the best advice I can give is, is you try and, try and look 10 years ahead and position yourself for where those mega trends are coming uh, and, and then you know, you, you'd be surprised maybe what comes from, from that. I think that's great advice. Adam, if people are interested in learning more about AFC, is the website a good first port of call? Uh, I, I would love to say yes. The website is currently under construction and, and, and is going through a review process, but uh, I would say it will be up and running uh, in, in June when we, when we launch the site. So uh, I would say certainly from June, it would be a great place to, to start. Perfect, and a great place to get in contact with you if anyone has any further questions. Absolutely. And indeed, if you'd like to get hold of me, uh, please use live at zeus.co.uk. Uh, Adam, thank you very much for your time today. Great. Thanks, Nick. It's great to be here.